Hello, and welcome to episode 126 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Andrea S. and Emily R. to the Modern Manager community. I hope that you will jump right into the Slack community and share questions or struggles and offer your advice and support to the other managers who are there. To learn more about membership benefits, go to themodernmanager.com join. Now today's guest is John Eads. John is the CEO of LearnLoft, author of Building the Best, and host of the Follow My Lead podcast. John and I talk about how to connect purpose to your work, regardless of what industry or function you work in, how to support your team members through their role development by providing the right support style at the right times, how to get past your own fears so that your teammates can really flourish, and when it's time to let go because you can't make someone succeed if they don't want to. Now, here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Mamie Canfer Stewart. John, it is such a pleasure to have you today. Thank you so much for joining me. And I just want to say, I think you might be the first person I've interviewed who also comes from a family business. So just like a nice little side factoid. We've taken our journeys differently, but good stuff. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. So you wrote a book about leadership. So why don't you just start with giving us a couple of kind of key ideas, key takeaways about what it means to really be a great people leader. Well, let's start with why I wrote the book in the first place, which is I failed myself from a leadership perspective. And I think the best people, the best businesses, the best entrepreneurs, they set out to solve a problem. And I had a problem. I had failed my team from a leadership perspective. And just to take you and our listeners back, I'd been leading a team for the first time. I was about a year, year and a half in. We were really struggling. And I did what most young leaders do. I blamed somebody else. And so I call one of my most expensive and most important team members in my office at the end of a day. And at the end of that meeting, she looked at me and she said, John, I didn't know where we were going. I didn't know what we were doing. And I didn't know how it was helping us get there. And if anybody's ever sat in that chair and realized that the problem is not them, the problem is you, it's a tough chair to sit in. And that was my exact experience. And I, I hated that feeling. It was one of those things that it just, it caused me to pause and say, man, I'm not as good as this as I thought I was. In fact, I'm bad at it. And so let me go do something about it. And so that was almost seven years ago. And and we, we set out to solve the problem of what do the best leaders do and how do they do it? Uh, because I wanted to do it. And so we've studied about 45,000 leaders over the last seven years. We've interviewed 300 of the best leaders on the planet. And that's why we wrote the book, Building the Best. So that's the backdrop to the book, but it includes eight principles. And the one that I like to highlight the most today, which is just so important, is that people persevere because of purpose, not pay. People persevere because of purpose, not pay. And in this environment that we're all working in and living in, I mean, it's challenging and it's difficult, both emotionally and as well as the financial impacts, depending on the business. And so we've got to connect ourselves and our team to a deeper purpose behind the work to keep us going and to persevere when times are tough. And so that's the one that really stands out to me in this season. Well, I'm really glad that you mentioned that one in particular because what I'm hearing from 
teams is that like everybody is overloaded, right? Everybody is completely stressed out. And a lot of people are actually taking pay cuts or their pay is kind of on hold, assuming that the business is going to do better, right? Or there's a lot of inequities that are happening because people who have kids are working less because they just have to deal with other family life. And people who don't have kids are holding the burden of having to do the extra work. And so there's a lot of feeling around like, why are we working so hard? And we're all working so hard and you can't solve it with pay, right? I think that's what you're saying is it, there has to be something more connected, more personal than that to, to drive us to get through this. That's exactly right. I mean, we want to we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We want to do something that matters and not just about the paycheck. And so the paycheck's important. Don't get me wrong. Okay. People need to provide for their families and do great things and achieve things, but it can't just be about that. And so you ask for some, you know, thinking of tactical and practical and stories. There's a company in South Carolina, near where we are, called Movement Mortgage. And this is a very purpose-driven organization. But there's a manager within this organization where her team just creates closing documents for brokers to give at closing. And so it's not exactly the sexiest work. In fact, it's pretty pretty boring, I would say, by most accounts. It's just pulling data from bank accounts, putting it on closing documents, formulating a 30-page thing, and then sending it to closing. Well, she knew that her team was really struggling with and getting a little bogged down. It just became too paycheck oriented. So she had this great idea. She decided to have every movement mortgage broker take a picture of the people signing the documents that her team created on closing. And they would text them back to her and then she would show them to her team internally. And one day she got a picture back of a single mom buying her first house with her daughter on her lap and they're smiling from ear to ear. They're so happy. And she says, every time we show that picture to our team, it's like a jolt of energy jumps through our entire team. So now think about that. As she told me, she said, John, we're making dreams become a reality. So now now just, do you want to go to work and create closing documents or do you want to go to work to make dreams become a reality? Now you tell me, what team would you, leader would you rather go to work for? And that's more what I'm after. That's what I want managers and leaders to step into is to say, you are the connector of cause, not somebody else, not just the CEO, but you can create, connect people to a deeper cause right where you are. And that is what I want. Wow. That is incredible. And like, I'm all excited. I'm so inspired. I'm like, yes, you're making dreams come true. That's amazing. But what I particularly think is is special about this is the way that it wasn't just, team, let me inspire you by telling you what we're doing. It was, how can I make this real? Mm. Right? Getting photographs of the actual people who are being impacted speaks, you know, I think it's, it's clear here, but like it speaks volumes for bringing those, that mission, bringing that big picture to life. So it's not just... As a leader, I can tell you what we're doing. I can tell you why we're doing. I can tell you how it's impactful. But it sounds like she actually made it so real for people that it it really like sparked in them. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's where I want I want more managers to step into the role of being a leader. And again, there's nothing wrong with management tactics or strategies. Nothing wrong with it. Somebody's got to run the report. Someone's got to keep 
track of the results. Somebody's got to go give the report or push that data through Salesforce or whatever tools they use. Somebody's got to have the reporting structure or making sure people show up or all those things. But more and more of that, Mamie, is going to be automated. So it's like, if you're looking for how to differentiate yourself and develop skills that are going to last a long time and pay off for years and years to come, it's not the management skills that I would invest in. It's the leadership skills, being able to inspire someone else, which means to breathe life into, okay? Can you go breathe life into somebody else? That, that's, that's something leaders do. Can you go empower somebody else? Can you help them make a decision where the information is and that they're confident in that decision? And then lastly, can then can you as a leader go serve somebody else? Can you put somebody else's needs ahead of your own? And as you, as you look at the definition of leadership and building the best, it's someone whose actions inspire, breed life into, empower, help someone else make decisions, and serve, put someone else's needs ahead of yourself in order to elevate others. And that's what makes a leader, not necessarily just a manager. So that's what I want more people thinking about is the job of a leader is not just the CEO or not just, you know, the VP of sales, the director of marketing. No, we all can lead right where we are in that fashion. It doesn't take a title to do that. So let's dig in a little bit onto this empower one, because in a similar vein around working remotely, one of the things I hear a lot of my clients struggling with is this idea of how to support their team members at a distance, how to provide the right amount of information, the right amount of direction, the right amount of connection, the right amount of leadership, but not so much that they're micromanaging and not be so, you know, hands-off that they've kind of gone MIA. So, it, you know, people seem to think that when you're sitting next to someone that somehow these things happen automatically. And now that we're not sitting next to each other, it's suddenly so hard to find the right amount of empowerment, the right amount of support. So how are you kind of navigating through this? What are you, what are you seeing and what are you recommending? Well, it's a great question. And I think one of the biggest mistakes leaders make is they say, well, I hire great people and get out of the way. I think it is a horrible comment. I, I want you to hire great people. Don't get me wrong. But to say that I'm just going to get out of the way and never be involved or never hold them accountable or never challenge them to go higher or to raise themselves above where they are, I think it's just an enormous mistake because we're all human. We all are only going to go until the point in which it gets uncomfortable. And we often need somebody else to push us or challenge us or, or to, to go beyond what we think we're capable of. And so I think this is one of the biggest things leaders have to do is to not just get out of the way, but in fact, to say, look, here's where we're going. Here's this vision of what we're after. And then you've been empowered to make decisions where the information is, and I'll help coach and develop you to make the very best decisions that you can. And then I'll take a step back. Once one of my favorite lines of all time, I call it magical coaching, but the whole idea behind it is to say, go ahead and make this decision. I've seen you make good decisions before and I'm going to back you no matter what. Mm. So there's something so, like imagine a boss saying that to you, okay? Instead of an hour long meeting about the decision is if let's say uh, I'm your boss and you're my direct report and I say to you, go ahead and make that decision, Mamie. I know you can make it and I'm going to back your decision. Like now all of a sudden I'm transferring belief to them. Like you're capable, you're good enough. You can solve this problem. 
oftentimes they'll come back and say, what do you think of this? Or what do you think about this idea before they make it? Or they make it. And then afterwards you get the opportunity to coach and develop them for future opportunities or future decisions. So that's more of the, the strategies and the tactics that I like to use is say, yeah, you're not just supposed to stand back and never be involved or never have a meeting or, or never challenge them to jump to a new learning curve or anything like that. In fact, I want you more involved. I just want you to allow them to make decisions where the information is. So are there ways that you can help set up or frame which decisions this other person can make or kind of how do you know that they're ready to make those decisions? Because I imagine there's a whole bunch of people listening who are like, yeah, that sounds great. But like, oh my gosh, if I let them make the decision and what if they make the wrong decision or like, I don't even know what decisions they are making because I don't even feel like I know what's going on with them anymore because our, we're working so fast and we're also spread out. So are there tools or tips or approaches for kind of figuring out how do you know that you got the right people making those right decisions that they're ready for it and you can trust them? Great, great question. There, in, in the book, we highlight the four stages of role development, which essentially says is that no matter where you are in your journey, you're somewhere in these four stages, okay? And it's why this is so important is because if you're at stage one versus stage three, you have to be coached and developed differently. Because if we empower someone on their first day to make a really important decision when they're not ready, guess what? We're making the wrong move as a leader. So we have to be able to establish where our people are in their development in order to make those decisions and then trust and empower people to make them when they're ready. Now, if we wait too long for them to make decisions, they get bored, they don't believe in themselves and, and those kinds of things. And then if we give them the decisions too early, we kind of hurt or ruin their confidence. So it, that's the, the art of leadership a little bit is to say, where is this person in their development? How can I help them make decisions when they're ready? And then we're going to trust and believe in their decisions and coach and develop them beyond that. So a good example of this is it, most people fall between a stage two and stage three of development. And often the best ways to coach or develop someone or empower them is to ask them questions. So they come to you with the problem. What do you think I should do here? Well, you could just give them the answer, Mamie, because you know it, you've experienced before, or you could decide to empower them by asking a good what or how question. What do you think we should do? How would you do it to create the best outcome for everybody? And then be silent. There's something so powerful for leaders to embrace the uncomfortable pause. Mm. Just think about that. So often, like right now, I'm like ready to talk, okay? What if I just paused and allowed you to think and me to think? That's five seconds I just paused and it felt so long, did it not? So it's like, how can we leaders embrace that un uncomfortable pause and allow someone to think and then decide? And then if they come up with a decision that probably isn't going to be best, well, then we can say, what else do you think we could do? How else could we do it? So that's more, I want more leaders pulling the information out of their people versus just giving it to them. I love that. And I have to say that when you paused, I was like, uh oh, did Zoom cut out? Like, it's so funny because when you're sitting in person, it's super awkward when you have that pause. And I've experienced it myself when I've asked questions and you're like sitting there and you're like, I literally count to 10 in my head before I'll talk again because you want to make that space. And it's awkward. And I, w I wonder about like being on Zoom or on Microsoft Teams or on other platforms where 
you hear silence and you're like, wait a second, is the technology not working? <laughs> right? Like it's, it's kind of funny, but, but the point is though that the, the technique, I completely agree, right? When you ask people questions and then you give them space to respond, right? And you don't rush them and you don't make them feel bad for not knowing, you are doing exactly what you said, which is you are empowering them. You are showing them that they actually know the answers themselves and that they can find the answers themselves. And I love that, that especially the questions of like, you know, well, how might you go about figuring this out? Or what information might you need to gather? How might you figure out? How might you, you know, whatever it is, where you're framing it and allowing them to have that thought process that they could do naturally anyways. That's right. And I like to tell people, I like to tell managers and leaders all the time. It's like, I want you to put on your coaching hat. Um, the word coach comes from the word carriage, which means to take someone from point A to point B back in the day. So I want more leaders to think I'm here to be a carriage. I'm here to help someone get from where they are to where they want to go. And the best way to do that is to get them to develop and make better decisions and to develop their skills not me do it for them. Now, this is really hard. And I know I'm making it sound so simple, but if you look at the best sports coaches, if you look at the best business coaches, they're certainly using their wisdom and their experience and, and offering advice. And I, I, don't, I think that is completely fine. But I also want you to try to pull that information out and make sure people are developing on their journey. Because when other people go do great things, guess what? you're going to get an, a reputation as a, as a leader or a manager that says, this person is great at developing more leaders, not more followers, as the old Tom Peters quote is. And guess what? You're going to get more talented people on your team because talented people want to be working for talented leaders. And so that's, that is exactly the, the attitude that I want, not I'm the center of attention. No, my team is the center of attention and I'm going to do, go do everything I can to make them be successful. So I want to go back a second to what happens in those earlier stages, because one of the people that I was talking with recently was frustrated because she felt like she didn't quite have the level of talent on her team, partially because they were relatively new in the role, partially because they were relatively young in their careers. And she was really struggling with this ability to kind of hand over more responsibility, more decision-making power. So it sounds like in your model, they would be maybe earlier in their phases. So are there things that we should do when someone's not quite at that point where we can really be coaching and questioning them? Or is that an approach that you take from day one? No, definitely not from day one. I mean, I think the best leaders, what they do is they, they first model it, right? They show them how to do it. They give them a demonstration of the skills or what's required. It's being a teacher. Now, where it gets really complicated today is if you don't have those, <laughs> you got to go find someone that does to teach them. And that can be just as important if you're a leader today and you need a new skill on your team or you need someone and you don't know it or you can't do it yourself. Well, we got to go find someone to teach them or support them to do that. So the first step of that process would be teach them or show them how to do it. The second step of that process for some younger is to say, okay, demonstrate it for me while I watch you. So step one is to teach them. Step two, demonstrate it while I watch you or observe you. Step three would then be go, now can you go do it on your own by yourself, empowered to make the decisions, and then you know they've really arrived when they can go teach somebody else. So I want, to, I want more leaders to think like that. I 
There is nothing wrong with you getting your hands dirty and showing someone how to do something or demonstrating it. The question is, at some point though, you got to go let them do it on their own and you observe it. Step three, let them go do it by themselves. Just report back to you. And step four, let them go teach somebody else. Then you know they've really developed or mastered the skill. So those, those are some strategies that I like. But at the end of the day, I think this is such an important point. I am so sick of managers telling me my team can't do this or my team is X. Well, who hired them? <laughs> like w- take some responsibilities, quit blaming your team. If I tell my coaching clients all the time, what you tolerate, you encourage. So take some responsibility. If they're not the right person, well, let's move on. Let's go find them a better position, a better place. Like don't just act like you have it all figured out and your team doesn't, you're responsible for the people on those, that team. Mm-hmm. You might've even hired them. So let's hold the mirror up to yourself before we hold it up in front of anybody else. And I just want more leaders taking more responsibility for their people and, and quit shifting the blame. Like they're not ready. They're not good enough. They don't work hard enough. What you tolerate, you encourage. Well, and to circle this back to kind of where we started, if you aren't inspiring your people, right, if you're not giving them greater purpose or helping them see greater purpose in their work, because it's probably already there, it's just not the frame that they're approaching their work with, right? So if you're not helping them see their work from that purpose and meaning perspective, right, if they're only seeing their work from a, a paycheck perspective, then that's partially on you, right? It's partially on that's you right. to inspire, right? And same with those decisions, right? Like if you are not giving them the chance to take responsibility, to take ownership, to be more engaged, then again, that's on you for not giving them the opportunity and for you know being too risk averse or fearful or concerned for whatever reason it is that's going on in the back of your head saying my people can't or I'm not, my, I don't trust them, whatever is going on half the time it's you. And you no, know, there's usually some truth to it on, on their side too, but a whole bunch of it is often on us. Yeah. And I think you're spot on, right? Are there always going to be people that don't choose? Are there always going to be people that, that don't meet the standard? Yes, there is. I mean, we're human beings and we all get the, the, the power to choose. I mean, you can't actually choose for anybody else. So I think uh, one of my mentors always says to me, uh, Mamie, he says, detach yourself from the outcome. Meaning that Okay, I've gone and inspired my people. I've, I've done the very best I can. Someone's choosing not to buy in. Someone's choosing not to develop their skills or invest in growth 20, which is 20 minutes a day of growing their mind or their skills. They're choosing not to do that. Guess what? You can't choose for them. You love them. Help them go be somewhere else and you go find someone else who will choose. And so I, I think more leaders have to embrace that mindset that detaching themselves from the outcome from somebody or the choices that somebody makes or else you'll go crazy. You will drive yourself crazy with expectations and trying to choose for other people when you can't. And I think I would much rather have leaders be investing in, pouring into developing people that want to be there, that want to make the choices to be successful, that want to go somewhere in their career versus trying their hardest to get the bottom 10% to make one little choice. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's, it's all about creating the conditions for someone to succeed, right? If we create the right conditions as a manager, then they, the other, it's not, 
all on us, right? The other person has to opt in. And if they're not going to opt in, there's only so much we can do. And there are, there's diminishing returns when we keep investing in that, <laughs> that bottom space. And instead, if we use that same energy and worked on creating greater conditions for everyone else to succeed, for the people who want to, then we're going to get, you know, better outcomes all around. There's a mod, real quickly, there's a 80-10, which is essentially 10% are going to be your bottom performers, 80% is going to be in the middle, and 10% is going to be your top performer. And I think a lot of young managers tend to really hone in and focus on that bottom 10% because they want to help everyone. They spend energy and they complain and they worry about those bottom 10%. Where if we just, if we invested in that middle 80 to get them to the top, we, our performance would go up. And so I, I just, I hope more managers will think like everybody matters. I'm not saying they don't, but if people are choosing not to opt in and you allow them to stay and allow them to continue being negative or a part of the team, that is on you. So well said. And now, unfortunately, we have to start to wrap up. So can you, John, tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person so fantastic? I'm going to tell you about two, if that's okay. I had a, uh, my first manager was my father and it was the worst first year of my life. I mean, I remember sitting at a boardroom. It was a performance review of, of my sales pipeline and he was just crushing me in front of five other people. And I kid you not, I started crying. I was, I'm a grown man. And I cried in front of five other people. My dad, I just was so beat up. And so I tell you that because he wasn't the best leader or manager. He had very different tactics. I know he had high standards for me, but it didn't work well for me. So, so that's the first story I would tell. I learned what not to do some from my dad, love him and all, but it wasn't the best. But then I had a manager named Steve Smith and Steve had a completely different approach he was constantly investing in me. He was constantly challenging me to go be more and do more and challenge myself to develop my skills. And to this day, I credit a lot of what I saw from Steve from a leadership perspective for the way I like to lead. And so uh, kudos to Steve Smith, wherever you are. Uh, I got to say, my dad also was never my manager, but was in meetings with me where he didn't exactly, but he kind of made me cry also. So we have that in common going back to the, uh, the family business thing. I think maybe there's just something inherent when you work with your family that's at some point they'll make you cry. Yeah. And um, lastly, tell us where people can learn more about you and your work. LinkedIn is the best place. We have a free newsletter called Building the Best on there that comes out every Thursday. And I think it has about a hundred and 35,000 subscribers. So definitely go check out Building the Best on, on LinkedIn. We share a lot of content there as a kind of our main platform. I'm trying to do better on Instagram. So John G. Eads on Instagram. And then the company is LearnLoft. LearnLoft.com is a good place to go check out our work or JohnEads.com. Either of those places are, are good places to learn about what we're doing. Fantastic. Thank you so much, John. This was a really fun conversation. I appreciate all your wisdom today. I love being here. I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with John, and he has graciously offered to members of the Modern Manager community access to Learn Loft's Leadership Styles quiz that will help you better understand your style so that you can elevate your leadership. And he's also provided their Mastering the Mighty Skills Toolkit to help you develop the three most important skills of leadership. To get these bonuses and many other guest bonuses, become a member of the Modern Manager community. Go to themodernmanager.com join.
And if you work for a nonprofit or government agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, which you can find at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.